The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Sixer Sense podcast. We're doing the mock draft today. We got Chris and Lucas. What's going on, guys? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Not too much. Yeah, so we're doing 2019 NBA mock draft. It's probably our first one. I'm not sure if we're going to do any more, but let's get the show on the road. I got the poke into the first pick, obviously grabbing Zion Williamson from Duke. He's a generational talent. He's probably the most hyped up prospect since LeBron. Once-in-a-lifetime athlete, he's 6'7", 285. I'd say he's a combination of Blake Griffin, Draymond Green, and Charles Barkley. And I've heard some people call him like a thick Ben Simmons. And I think the Pelicans winning the lottery was franchise-altering. They only had a 6% chance. And if they didn't win the lottery and AD left, like he's rumored to, like want to get out of town, they probably would have been the first franchise to get moved to maybe Seattle or Las Vegas. Them getting that first overall pick was huge. And even if AD stays, we'll have the best front court partner he's had his whole career. And I could see them playing alongside each other, just with Zion's versatility on both ends of the ball and AD just being a top-tier star in the NBA. So with the second overall pick, the Memphis Grizzlies uh, select Jay Morant. Kind of an obvious pick. He's the usher of a new era in Memphis. He would be a perfect complement to Jaron Jackson Jr., he would be the obvious catalyst that would move Mike Conley to a different team or force a trade to happen in the short term or in the not-so-short-term future. He very much reminds me of a prime Derrick Rose or prime Russell Westbrook. I think we can say that Russell Westbrook's starting to decline from his prime. He's still elite, don't get me wrong. Just He's not the same player he was two years ago. So that's the reason why he goes to Memphis second. And overall, they are also rumored to be interested in him as well. So with the third overall pick, I have the Knicks selecting Zion's teammate, R.J. Barrett. I think he's pretty much the obvious choice at that point. He caught, I think, an unfair amount of slack this season, essentially because he was taking away shots from Zion. And his approach isn't always the best, has some issues with tunnel vision. But on the whole, he was still a, a historically productive 
freshman at Duke, averaged around 23-8-4 on the season. I think he's a better passer than he had a chance to show or that he got credit for at Duke. Super aggressive score, has a pretty high defensive ceiling as well, and I think the Knicks have a pretty easy choice there at three. And then with the fourth overall pick, I had the Lakers selecting Jarrett Culver. I don't think the Lakers have really one glaring position of need at this point outside of center, and there's not really a center worth taking with the fourth overall pick. So you get Culver, who's a long, versatile wing who can play with LeBron and Lonzo and Ingram, kind of slide into that hyper-versatile lineup that they have going, defend several different positions well, a good shooter, spot-up, can create off the dribble. Had a really <coughs> solid sophomore campaign at Texas Tech. Made some pretty big leaps in important areas, and uh, I think he's worthy of the fourth overall pick. With the fifth pick, the Cleveland Cavaliers select DeAndre Hunter. The Cavs need a perimeter player that can shoot the ball well, uh, small forward primarily. Uh, right now, Seti Osman does not seem to be the answer as a starting a small forward, or at least not at the moment. And I think DeAndre Hunter would be a nice mix. He shot 43.8% from three-pointers last year, which would be a big plus for the Cavs team. He'd be a nice running mate for Colin Sexton as well, uh, at the, uh, with him playing the small forward position. With the sixth pick, I have the Suns getting Darius Garland, point guard from Vanderbilt. He only played a few games this year because of a meniscus tear in his knee. But the Suns are in dire need of a point guard, and Darius Garland is the best available with the sixth pick. I think he's a better prospect than Kobe White just with his ability to change the game due to his his ability to score from literally anywhere on the floor and in many different ways. He can score off the dribble, off DHOs, and from spotting up, and he can shoot NBA range on his three-pointers. He doesn't have a lot of sample size just because of the few games he played, but his scoring ability will immediately transfer to the NBA. He's very, he does a very good job with creating space off the dribble to get his shot off, and he also moves well without the ball, which you see Steph Curry doing and Damian Lillard in the NBA. They can run through screens just to go and get an open spot-up jump shot or go off a screen. And his biggest comparison, I'd say, is Damian Lillard. Just because he can, his sidestep and step back three pointer that they both have in their arsenal and their ability just to score from literally anywhere, they can shoot this off balance three pointers off the dribble. And I think Darius Garland would be a, a great partner alongside Devin Booker. Just they can both spread the floor, and that's going to be a big factor with having a post score like DeAndre Ayton on the floor. So having those two guys run the backcourt would be very big for the Suns, and they'll finally get the point guard that they needed for such a long time. And next, with the seventh pick, the Bulls select Kobe White. So they also need another backcourt playmaker alongside Zach Levine. I don't think Chris Dunn's the answer, and Kobe White's a very capable point guard. He's from North Carolina. He has a high basketball IQ, and he's a physical freak. He's incredibly fast. He averaged 16 points, 3.5 rebounds, and 4 assists this year. He has a lot of control over the ball when he drives to the basket. He makes split-second decisions when he's driving, can pass to open guys off the pick-and-roll, or he can change the shot mid-air um, depending on where the defender is. He's 6'5 and has a decent frame, so and he's fast and athletic, so he'll be a capable defender as well. And he can help space the floor alongside Levine because he's going to be having a lot of isolation possessions, so him being a solid spot-up shooter will be coming handy this season. With the eighth overall pick, the Atlanta Hawks select Cameron Reddish. Reddish 
has potential. Uh, well, he honestly has one of the bigger boom or bust labels on him in this draft, in my opinion. He's a long, athletic wing. He's, you know, he has potential to be solid on the defensive end. His shot selection wasn't great from no goal percentage wise. His three shot, I think, was floating around 34%. Overall, he's a project, I think. And that's fine because the Hawks are in full rebuild right now. I don't think you need a, a high volume uh, scorer on the perimeter along with you know, you know Trey Young and John uh, John Collins already. So I think uh, Cameron would be a good uh, pick right. Uh, Cameron Reddish would be a good pick right here. With the ninth overall pick, I have the Wizards selecting Nasir Little. That's maybe a bit of a hot take, and I think I'm Jim generally higher on little on little than most draft people are but i still buy the physical tools he has a really solid frame long arms great height and size for the wing he's going to be able to defend multiple positions at the next level i've seen multiple articles um just detailing that he's already lost weight and gotten back down towards the weight that he was in high school in aau ball where he really showed out as a versatile defender and shot creator. So that should theoretically increase his mobility, which is a positive. Um, he needs to work on his three-point shot. It wasn't too consistent this year. But just in terms of upside and physical tools, I still buy those for little. And the Wizards really need to try to hit a home run here since they don't have a ton going for them right now. So I think little's their guy. Um, and with the 10th pick, I have the Hawks addressing a front court need and adding a uh, – kind of a rim protector behind John Collins with Jackson Hayes out of Texas. Another long, fluid athlete. He can fill that void at the five spot. He doesn't have a ton to his offensive game right now. He has some great hands, though. Good timing as um, a role man and a finisher at the rim. Needs to kind of add that three-point shot, hopefully, in the future. But just to kind of fill that rim protection void, I think Hayes makes a lot of sense at uh, 10. With the 11th pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves select... Nikhil Alexander Walker. He's kind of a he's my sleeper in this draft. I think he's going to be very good. He showed a lot of growth from his in, in, during his time. He's a six five, and I think he can play combo guard. I think he has playmaking abilities and playmaking potential. He's six five, shot thirty seven percent from the three point line. I think overall he just has a really high ceiling, and I think he could end up like Gilgis Alexander or. Uh, Somebody comparative to him. With the 12th overall pick, I had the Charlotte Hornets getting Sekou Demboya, the big from France. And I think he's probably the most raw prospect in this draft. He's an unpolished athletic freak that has the potential to be a nightmare against NBA bigs. And he he's a great NBA versatile frame. He's 6'9", 230 pounds. And one positive from his games in professional ball is he shot 77% from the free throw line. Which, is a, which shows he has potential to expand his jump shot. And another thing is he has elite athleticism that he'll have immediate impact around the rim on both ends of the ball. One thing he does need to do, though, is he needs to develop his offensive game to create his own shot. He has solid post work right now, and he's a good hook shot, but he has no, nothing else besides that in his offensive arsenal. So most likely, right when he gets the NBA, he'll be a pick-and-roll lob guy. And... He'll probably on defensive end just be a rim protector. I think he's one of the guys that will benefit from the G League, just bouncing back and forth from Charlotte to, or, or actually their their teams in Greensboro, the Greensboro Swarm. So from Greensboro to Charlotte, so potential he has a lot of potential. So 
I think the Hornets can get a guy with this pick. And with the 13th pick, I have the Miami Heat getting Romeo Langford, the guard from Indiana. One thing about Romeo Langford is he's a he's a, he's a solid high in college. He's a quick first step, and the Heat drastically need guard play and isolation scoring and shot creating because they have a lot of guys right now, especially with Dwayne Wade retiring. They do not have many shot creators, and one thing Langford can do is he can create a shot from anywhere on the floor during college. Uh, he has strength and craftiness that can help him finish around the rim, and he's a smooth pull-up jumper uh, where he uses crossovers and step-backs to get those off. But one thing he does need to change, though, is his shot form. If you guys watch any film on Romeo Langford, you'll see that when he shoots the ball, he has this weird unorthodox wrist movement and flexion, and that can hinder his ability to get off high-frequency shots uh, in-game in the NBA. But the Heat do need scoring marks. He's that guy. With the 14th overall pick, the Boston Celtics select Jonte Porter. Porter uh, has draw, uh, dropped in a majority of mock drafts due to a ACL tear that he suffered. I believe it was his second, if I'm correct. And um, so there's obvious concerns there. But I believe the Celtics ha- are able to get a flyer on Porter based on the fact that, besides the fact that they have multiple first-round picks, is that I think the potential before the ACL tear, he was a he was a lottery pick. So I think keeping him at the end of the lottery, like his brother was selected last year, I think that was a good call. I see him as a a long-term replacement for Al Horford. Al Horford has a player option this summer. I think he probably exercises and stays with the team, but even so that uh, Porter has a year of recovery, you know, take his time to come back. He can learn under Al Horford next season when uh, Horford's contract is up he could be theoretically an ideal back uh, re, uh, replacement center for Horford in the long term because he has the ability to stretch the floor he shot uh, I believe 36 percent around 36 percent from the floor and he's a good rim protector so overall I think that's why the Celtics would take him at 14. With the 15th pick I have the Pistons selecting Kevin Porter Jr. out of USC maybe the most dynamic on-ball shot creator in the draft has some issues issues with a uh, tunnel vision doesn't always go for the best shot he can settle for some high difficulty pull-ups at time so that decision making is something he's going to need to work on but just with his shiftiness his athleticism his ability to get shots off at all three levels that's a really high level nba skill that can translate in the right developmental place into a star potential so i think at 15, his upside is something the Pistons should definitely definitely buy in on. Um, Detroit doesn't have a ton in the backcourt right now. I think pairing Porter on the wing with Luke Kennard long-term alongside Griffin and, and Drummond in the front court is a really smart move, and he's the kind of upside play that Detroit should make. Um, and with the 16th pick, I have the Magic selecting Brandon Clark out of Gonzaga. I think Clark is probably a top 10 to 14 prospect. So at this point, it's just the Magic going with the best available. They don't necessarily need another big slash forward. But Clark is an elite-level athlete, one of the best athletes at the Combine this year. Has great timing and instincts as a defender, can protect the weak side, can move his feet on the perimeter in space, defend on switches, etc. And on offense, he's a really solid role man. So I think Orlando goes best player available and selects Clark. With the 17th pick, the Brooklyn Nets select Rui Hachimura, 
from Gonzaga. I like Hachimura with the Nets because the Nets have a glaring need for a stretch four, and I think he fills that nicely. He's a solid shot blocker. He's had three years of development in college, which can be seen as a negative or positive. I think in this case it's a positive because he really took a big leap that third year. Uh, and I think overall he can stretch the floor. He's he, Like I said, he stretches the floor. He's a good defender. He's a good shot blocker. And right now the Nets don't really have a long-term outlook for a, a, the power forward position. Rondé Hollis Jefferson hasn't worked out. He's becoming a, a small, very small ball center. And their other two prospects at the position, young prospects, they don't seem like they're they're probably two or three years away where Hashimura, I think, can come in and, and play a bigger role immediately. So with the 18th overall pick, I have the Pacers getting Kelvin Johnson, the guard from Kentucky. So one thing the Pacers need is they – drastically need guard help Tyreek Evans Boyan Bogdanovich Darren Co- Darren Collison Corey Joseph um are all free agents and Wesley Matthews so they're definitely gonna need some guard help alongside of uh, Victor Oladipo and Kelvin Johnson as of right now already is a great defender with a high motor and he has an NBA ready body which is very helpful and he attacks the rim well as a ball handler, and he's a very good transition scorer. Um, in transition, he has long strides and uh, just can attack the rim very well. He already has a solid floater, and we've seen how important that is in the modern NBA for guards like James Harden. That's one of his um, one of his most used moves uh, inside the paint. And one other thing he does well is, along with him being a great defender, he's a great rebounder for a guard. He is strong, and he can box out forwards and bigs at times as well to grab boards and he has an offensive upside and his three point shot has improved. And I think as of like right when he gets the NBA, he'll be able to be a, a decent spot up shooter. And he's a high effort guy that'll die for loose balls and long rebounds. So what the Pacers will be getting with this pick, they'll be getting a high energy guy that will go 110% every single night. And with the 19th pick, I had the San Antonio Spurs getting Cam Johnson. He is the sharp shooting forward from North Carolina. He shot 45% this year. There's not really much else to say about him besides he's just an incredible shooter. He'll have immediate success, especially in San Antonio, alongside LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. They need perimeter scoring alongside those guys with Bertans and Derek White. They're both decent shooters, especially Berton. So when Berton is off the floor, Cam Johnson would be uh, a great guy to have alongside Marcus Aldridge to stretch the floor. And he has a very high basketball IQ, which will fit perfectly with Greg Popovich and his system. And he's a capable defender with ample defensive IQ and defensive off-ball abilities. So he's not a terrible defender. And you can honestly plug him in into any NBA team, and he'll have immediate success and immediate impact. With the 20th pick, the Boston Celtics select Tyler Harrell. I think the fit's obvious here. Harrell's a 3 and D player, fits perfectly into what um, Brad Stevens runs. He shoots the three ball at a solid 35%, and then he averaged 1.1 steals. I think overall, Boston would be ideal, especially with the chances of Kyrie and possibly Terry Rozier both leaving this, and one or both leaving this. Even though he's not a point guard, I think the perimeter, you know, you could move Marcus Smart to the point guard position because he's played it in the past, and then you have Tyler Harrow. 
I think overall, Harold's a good, solid fit into their system, and I think that's why he goes number 20 there. And with the 21st overall pick, I have the Oklahoma City Thunder selecting Bull Bull. Again, I think OKC, as currently constructed, isn't necessarily built to win a championship. So I think they're one of those teams that's going to want to take a home run swing on draft night. And if he falls this far, Bull is a definite home run swing. Um, he's 7'2", 7'6", wingspan, just ridiculous measurables, can shoot the three ball at a high level. The issue with him is really just going to come down to health and build. His frame is painfully thin. Um, he can get pushed off his spots easily on both ends at times. I don't know how functional his athleticism is at the next level because of how thin his frame is, but the upside there is ridiculous. Um We've already heard plenty of questions about how the Adams, Westbrook, and George trio is going to work long term. If they bring in Bowl, he can kind of take a, a gap year of sorts, kind of learning behind Adams, maybe spending some time in the G League. And then maybe long term, if things work out well, he can take over as a more modern, versatile starting center for OKC. Um, and then for Boston at number 22, I have them selecting PJ Washington. A really skilled, hard-nosed front court guy kind of fits what Boston likes. He has improved his shot a good bit this year. A really smart passer for his position, can face up and score the ball at a high level. And he's just one of the more versatile defensive bodies in the draft. He's going to defend fours, small ball fives even, can put, move his feet on the perimeter. And I think he has one of the higher defensive ceilings in the draft as a result. So at 22, I think he's probably a steal for Boston. With the 23rd pick, the Utah Jazz select Mufanda Cabangeli. The reason why I have Cabangeli going here is because he's a solid, uh, He's he fits the need as a stretch four. This past season, they had Derek Favors start as the power forward, but then he would sub in and out the rest of the games as the backup center, and having Jay Crowder, who's only 6'7", 6667 be the primary small ball four. That's not going to work in the future. Uh, Crowder is a good defender, but he can be outsized by bigger and str- he can be bullied, you know, by more athletic and bigger stretch fours. I think he's a, you know, he averaged 1.5 blocks, so we know that he's a good defender. He's stretched the floor this past season by shooting 36.9% from three-point line. Overall, I think he fits in perfectly, and I think I don't know if he's going to have an impact right away, but I I wouldn't surprise it wouldn't surprise me seeing him start in about either middle of this year, beginning of next year, based on what I what I've seen from him so far. With the 24th pick, I have our Philadelphia 76ers getting. Guard Taylor Horton Tucker from Iowa State. Taylor Horton Tucker probably has the most unique frame out of any athlete in the draft. He's 6'4, 235 pounds with a 7'1 wingspan. And what's also interesting, one thing to monitor, is he's one of the youngest players in this year's draft. He turned 18 in November. And just one of the things that hops out to you when you watch him on tape is he's a tenacious defender. He can card. Uh, both guard positions, and due to his wingspan and his size and strength, he can guard forwards as well. Uh, with that 7-1 wingspan, he can close out on those guys, shooting the ball and then even drive it into the lane. And 
on the offensive end, he can score around the rim in various ways with both hands. And with that 235-pound frame, he can push guards anywhere he wants around the rim. So you see a lot on tape. He has a, a lot of good like up-and-under layups. He can just push guards around and finish over a lot of guys, and even finish over bigs as well. And another thing is he already has a very solid step-back and sidestep three-point jump shot, and he's even made them in games from NBA range. And he's also a solid spot-up shooter with NBA range as well. And you might need to monitor his release point. It's a little low, but the speed of his jump shot getting off is already uh, NBA ready. We've seen like Eric Gordon, who a lot of people have compared him to. He has a very low release, and he's one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. So I don't think that's going to be a big issue. And with the 25th pick, I have the Trailblazers getting Grant Williams, the forward from Tennessee, so he was a junior this year, but he's only 20 years old, and Grant Williams will be the best available guy at this point. I could see him going a lot higher, but the way the draft's gone, I, I do I think he's going to be a mid-20, mid-early 20s guy. But one thing is that Tennessee ran their offense through him, and he will excel as a pick-and-roll man, and he has the potential to extend his perimeter game. He... Scored a lot in offense from the post, but that won't really translate well to the modern NBA. But one thing that does transfer well is a high basketball IQ and his ability to finish around the rim in multiple ways. He has a great left-handed layup, left-handed uh, quick jump jump hook. And on the defensive end, he's a great high IQ defender. He's strong and he's very physical defender and he can rebound the ball very, very well. And if... You watch him throughout the year, seeing interviews, seeing what his coaches have said. And he's one of the hardest workers in this draft, and he's a team-first guy. You can put him in any role you want, and he'll give you 110%. So, and one reason why I see him going to Portland is they're losing Al Camino this offseason and a few other forwards, so they're going to need a versatile guy. And he also has to develop his three-point jump shot. And if he can do that, he'll be he'll be a very solid guy off the bench. With the 26th pick, the Cleveland Cavaliers select Ty Jerome. I think Jerome is a perfect fit in Cleveland because right now Colin Sexton is showing not to be a playmaker, even though he's listed as a point guard. I think he's more of a scoring guard, similar to Eric Bledsoe, for example. I think Ty Jerome, he's a playmaker. He averaged 5.5 assists this past year. He's a, he's a very good three-point shooter at 39.9%. When you have a like that, that allows a playmaker like that, you know, and he's 6'5 as well, so it's not like he, him and Colin Sexton would be small backcourt. I think they would be a decent-sized backcourt. So when you pair those two together, you have a solid perimeter shooter, along with DeAndre Hunter, who the who I had the Cavs selecting fifth overall, who's another good three-point shooter. You can play Kevin Love on the inside and then play three to four players out, depending on who you have as the center. And that obviously looks to be Tristan Thompson right now. But, I mean, still, even if that's not the case, and it's somebody else, I think that's a good combination that Cleveland and new coach John Beeline can work with. With the 27th overall pick, I have the Brooklyn Nets selecting Lou Dort out of Arizona State. Just a really high-level athlete, strong frame, strong build, super explosive, can get downhill, scores at the rim at a really high level has shown some upside as a playmaker and a spot up shooter as well. And then just make some really eye popping plays on the defensive end. The nets like those kind of hard nosed athletic perimeter pieces. I think Thornton is someone who can fit alongside the likes of Spencer Dinwiddie, D'Angelo Russell, Karis Levert, etc. So I 
think it makes a lot of sense for Brooklyn at 27. And then at 28, I have the Warriors essentially going best player available with someone who I personally wouldn't have fall this far in the draft in Goga Bitadze um, from Mega B-Max. Same club as, you know, Nikola Jokic and guys like Timote Luwawu Cabarro. Um, just a really skilled center in the post. Smart passer, really soft touch on the block, has shown some expanded range out to the three-point line as well. Needs to move his feet better on defense, but I think that's something that he has the room to improve. He's generally a pretty solid and mobile athlete for his size as a true seven-footer. Uses that size well on defense. He's a really smart rim protector, um, can defend in the post at a high level, and he can probably fill a void that will potentially be left by the likes of DeMarcus Cousins and Kevon Looney in free agency. With the 29th pick, the San Antonio Spurs select Matisse Thibel. I think Thibel's kind of like the ideal San Antonio guy. He's an upperclassman, so he has maturity, which we all know San Antonio loves. He's also an elite defender. He averaged 3.3 steals this past season. He had a bad shooting year from the three-point line this year, but overall, he sh- for his college tenure, he shot 34 uh, 35% from the three-point line. So I don't think that will be a big issue translating. I think under Pop's toolage, he could become, I'm not going to say like Kawhi Leonard, because obviously that would be an over-exaggeration, but I think he could become an elite defender and a solid 3 and D player uh, in the NBA. So I think that, yeah, I think he fits the need for more perimeter help in, in, in San Antonio. And overall, I think he's he's a culture guy that could fit well there. With the 30th overall pick, I have the Milwaukee Bucks getting Carson Edwards, the guard from Purdue. He was definitely the most exciting player during the NCAA tournament. He already he, He's already proved that he has NBA range. During the NCAA tournament, he scored 26 points, 42 points, 29 and 42 in his four games, and in those four games, he made 28 three-pointers. And his biggest game was 42 points against UVA, even though they lost. But that was one of the best defenses in, defenses in college basketball, and he completely lit them up. And the best comparison you see with him being six foot is Lou Williams. He's a Lou Williams 2.0. He can score from anywhere on the floor. You just give him the ball, and he's going to create his shot and get it up. And him going to the Bucks with Eric Bledsoe being there – they definitely need another guard who can create his own shot and a guy that can score with Giannis on the floor because Giannis is the only shot creator most times on the floor. Chris Middleton can't Chris Middleton can at times, but you do need a guard that can create his own shot. And I think Carson Edwards would be a perfect fit right there. He can be a spark plug off the bench and can shoot the ball off the catch screens, DHOs, and moves well without the ball. So in that Mike Budenholzer system, he'd fit in perfectly and get an ample amount of shots off. And with his limitless NBA range off the dribble, he'll be perfect. But he is undersized, but he does have a 6'6 wingspan, which will help him on defense. And along with him being six foot, that 6'6 wingspan also helps him, but his frame is also decently uh, strong, and which helps him get into the lane and finish. Appreciate you guys listening to this episode of the Six Your Sense podcast. Hope you guys appreciated the mock draft. Follow us at Six Your Sense on Twitter and visit us at thesixyoursense.com.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.